There is one Samaritan to build a house. He wanted all my cards. He wanted tennis courts, swimming pool, fire batteries. So what he decided to do one day was to call together a group of workers, a community of workers. So he hired a builder, a plumber, and an electrician. He sat down and said, I've got plans for my house. This is how I want it to look like. And he showed them the plans. After the red plans, he set them off. First few weeks, things were looking really, really good. Okay? He started with uh, the building, did the foundations, up to probably the first window. The electrician, fantastic, he started, it's a good job saying because I'm not a bit of He started putting wires through, and the plumber put pipes in. After a couple of weeks, however, the builder decided that he didn't like, he didn't like the original plan. So what he decided to do was he decided to change it slightly, he decided to change the original instructions. So what he did was he changed the length of the walls, because he thought it was better that way. Now noticing this, the electrician went straight to the plumber and said, have you seen what he's done? Have you seen what the builder's done? He's not following the plan. Starts off a bit of gossip, starts off a bit of a weird guys. Okay? And as we both started to talk, we both started to have a little dip and build the back. Carried on for about a week or two. About two weeks later, the plumber decided, do you know what? I think I can do a better job than this plan. I think I can do something a bit better. So he decided to put a pan through the builder's prize wall. When the builder saw this, <gasps> to his horror, he was cross, he was really angry. So he went straight to the electrician and said, Have you seen what the plumber's done? He's put a pan through a prize wall. Again, what happened? Okay. Having a bit of a dig in each other's backs. And as the weeks went by, the situation became untenable, you would know. Okay, it became untenable. It came to the point where they couldn't get along. They were arguing, they were falling anything the other day. They were backstabbing, having a at each other. About three or four weeks later, the owner came in his car and drove the drive, expecting to see this house being completed. But when he turned up, he noticed that the house wasn't finished. The house, actually, was nowhere near finished. Bricks were left uncemented, wires were left down into the walls, pipes were left on the floor. Concerned, he decided to ring the workers and see where they were, supposed to be doing the job. So he ran them all and got them to win for a meeting. As soon as he sat down, it became clear that there was a few issues actually. They couldn't work together. As he spoke to them, they were backstabbing, arguing, shouting at each other, you've not done this, you've not done that, you're not following the plan. The owner listened to this for about 10 or 15 minutes, and they were just getting more and more frustrated, thinking, come on, I told you what I need you to do. And you know the plan. They wouldn't do it, they couldn't work together. So they got fed up. He cancelled the contract, and he decided to leave the building where it was, where it still lies to this day, derelict. Okay, now we've been looking at Nehemiah, we've been looking about five or six weeks worth of Nehemiah, we've looked at God's call together, a community of believers, a group of people workers together to build this wall to build God's kingdom. What we see from about chapter 5, and actually, it starts with really good intentions. People have come across to help, but issues and tensions start to arise. Now, whenever we're in a community, whether it's a football team, or football, whatever, a football team, you see it whenever you're in there, any more life, jobs, any community, you see that things start with really well people come together, but issues and tensions start to arise. Why? Simple nature. It's our simple nature. We think we know better than God. We come together as a church. I've never been in a church where there's not a few issues. 
I've never been in a football team because people think they know better. In basketball, crew, I'm like, an absolute rubbish. When you watch them, it's not going well. People start having a dig at each other. Everyone thinks they know better. Same within the church. People think, you know what? Now, sinful nature is a thinking that you know better than God's plan. You think you know better than his blueprint. That's what sin is. It's sin is disobedience, it's thinking that your God basically in effect. You're not prepared to listen to God. You're not prepared to follow his will. You're doing it yourself. You're putting yourself in your God's position. Now in Genesis 1, verse 31, we're told that when God created everything, what did he say? It was good. Now when he says it was good, it didn't just mean it's okay. It didn't okay. The Hebrews have a word called shalom. Now, shalom means peace, perfection, wholeness. It means an absence of sin, in fact, an absence of sin, total unity. But we see that this is God's initial design for you, because we see it in the Bible, it permeates throughout the Bible, throughout the words that God gave us in Israelites in the Old Testament. It permeates this shalom, this peace, perfection that you want. We see it in Nehemiah, they come together with a common cause. But whenever we're school together throughout the Old Testament and even the New Testament, we see that Shalom doesn't last. It doesn't last. Why? Because we have an enemy who wants us to stop building God's kingdom. He doesn't want us to build God's kingdom. He's scared of it, actually. And he will do harness to stop from being built. We're told in John 10, verse 10, we have an enemy who comes to what? Steal can't. He doesn't want us to build it. He doesn't want us to build God's kingdom. Now, the devil prays on our weaknesses, our simple nature, because he knows it's a weakness. He causes issues and tensions. Because where there's sin, there's a lack of unity within the community. As we saw in Nehemiah, people stopped following God's plan for building his kingdom and began following their own intentions. As we saw in the story, the builder deviated from the blueprints, deviated from the plan, and decided to start doing his own thing. A lack of shalom. We see that in the story, by doing that, in effect, if you look at cause and effect, it results in the house not being built, the word not being finished. And we see in AI that these things, these issues, these tensions that are stopping the word from being. People are more often about greed, about sin, focus on what God's called them to Really, really important. Now, when we talk about the devil, we talk about an enemy. He's very clever, and makes it really important because we just talk about tactics of the enemy. Okay. Now he knows we've got simple nature. And as humans, we tend to focus on our weaknesses. Just the way we are, particularly Brits, we don't like to make ourselves up. You know, we like to cue, we're very proper, and we don't like to say things good about ourselves. We focus on our weaknesses. And as humanity, as humans, sorry, we like to focus on our weaknesses rather than our strengths. But it's really important that we look in the Bible and we see how the devil attacks people as they come together in a community, as they come together to work for God. If we look at David, for instance, he was a great man of God, and he had a real heart for God. That was his passion, his strength was his heart for God. And yet, his heart turned hard. He committed adultery, and he murdered his husband. If we look at Solomon, Solomon was given the gift, the strength of wisdom, and yet, it was his wisdom that failed him. It was his wisdom that caused him to fall back from God. <coughs> Something really key there, but an unguarded strength is a double weakness. And unguarded strength is a double weakness. We have to be so careful as we come together to build God's kingdom in Chester, in our church, in free church, in our places, in community groups, that we are aware of the tactics of the devil. We need to be aware of that. That's the most important thing. 
right? This is the problem. Because as we build our church, as we move to a new season, as we move to morning services and two services a day, the devil's going to look for any opportunity to break up, to stop that from happening. He doesn't want this to happen. To be honest, he doesn't want it to happen. If you can get any sort of discord, any sort of disunity in community groups, in church, between people, you'll try and do it. This is the problem. Today, we're going to learn how to deal with these issues and how we can maintain unity within the community. Now, it's really, it's really, really reassuring. And this is, you know, this is really, God doesn't promise us an easy time. He doesn't promise us health. He doesn't promise us wealth. What does he promise? He will never leave or forsake us. What a blessing that is. We're not promised an easy time. We're promised we get persecution. We're promised we'll have hard times. Okay? And Jesus tells us that there will be issues, there will be tensions, but the brilliant thing is he shows us how to deal with these. Paul's just going to come up and read today. It's Matthew 18, verse 15 to 17, if you just want to turn to it. So it's Matthew 18, verse 15 to 17. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault, just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you won them over. If they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter will be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would the pain or the tax. So here Jesus is providing a solution to those issues that we talk about in communities. Now it's really important to note that the start that term brothers was often referred to in the term Adelphos, which means a community. So here Jesus is speaking specifically to a community of believers. So what's that term today is specific for the context okay, of the church, the community. Because Adelphos means a group of people who come together, a group of people who come with a common purpose. What's our common purpose? What's our common purpose here? To build the kingdom. To build the kingdom. God's kingdom. Blair and Chester. That's it. <laughs> okay. Now, people often misinterpret or misunderstand this passage. And use it to accuse people of doing something because it says, let's go back, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out the fault. Okay? Now, people often use this as an excuse to go out and say to everybody, you're doing this wrong. Come on, you guys wrong, just so you know. Paul, you're doing that wrong. Jake's doing that wrong. Okay? And it's used to point people's sins out. But all that does is what? Leaves a trail of resentment. Jesus gives us a specific blueprint, a plan of how to address these issues, how to do it in a godly way so we can maintain unity. Now, it's really important that Jesus is focusing on sin. Okay, that's really, really important. Not quirkiness, because I've seen this happen before. Quirkiness is a trait that we have. So if Paul brings really happily, I don't know if I sit next to Paul in church and he's really happy, and I say, Paul, God tells me you need to stop reading that way. Not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is saying that. <laughs> Jesus is talking about specific sin. Sin, the enemy uses to destroy the building of his church. Now, we live. In an individualistic society, that means that the individual is the most important. Actually, it's the tech opposite of God. You're the most important person in the world. Okay? Whatever you believe doesn't matter. As long as you believe it, that's all that matters. You're the most important person. Nobody can judge you. Because who are you to judge? Now, I've heard that before, I've heard that a lot. Okay? And I've heard people use 
Luke 6, verse 37. What's Luke 6, verse 37? Say, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. And then we use that to say to people, we can't trust Jesus. We can't say anything. Okay, that's a lie that the devil's used. I said, that's a lie that the devil's used there. Because what happens there? Everyone can see what's around. Nobody says anything. Sin runs rampant. There's loads of issues in the church that are resulting, sorry. Okay, here, in that context, in Luke 6, Jesus is talking specifically about serious churches. He's talking about the religious leaders, the moral cops, the people who make a hand attack, go down and tell everyone, that you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong. Destroy it. And Jesus, in that passage, is saying, how can you build the church if you use your mouth to destroy it? How can you go around and judge your every if you look at what the religious leaders did, they had a habit of making it really hard for people to know God. Because there was condemnation, there was laws, there was rules, there was constantly walking around, pious and pompous, telling everybody what they're doing wrong. Okay? And Jesus is referring to that. He's not telling us that we can't judge, but he's saying, be careful, how do you do it? Now, I had a friend who was really, really negative, unbelievably negative. Next time I said, how? Okay? Whenever a story called me, the first thing I'll think is, and the first thing you would do whenever I picked up the phone and say to me, Andy, you won't believe what this person's done. Now, how are you? How are you doing? The first thing you would say is, you won't believe what you won't believe what you the church. You won't believe what such and such is saying. Just look at it, just go, Are you going to damage my church? Are you going to damage the building that we're doing? 
When you notice somebody is silly, or potentially causing issues, or there's a potential tension that's arising, the first thing we need to know is look at ourselves. That's the one. You need to look at yourself. Point number two. Jesus then says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If you listen, you've won them over. Jesus is focusing here on the two of you. He's saying, go and point out to somebody else. And he's saying, don't go that because it causes division. Sometimes we have the best intentions, but it actually has the wrong effect. Okay. If we look at high-profile cases in the media, recently there's been a couple where people have had a problem with somebody in the church and they air it on the internet. And the internet is brilliant, it's also bad in some respects because people know and play the internet what happens, so all that. People jump on the bandwagon, people start, what happens? We see that there's division, a lack of unity, complaining, burning, backstabbing, and eventually, recent wanted they've got church disbands. What shame. Not building God's kingdom. So, it's really, really important that when Jesus tells us to share, the first thing we need to do is pray to God. To share that ground with God, the concern with God. God, something's been missing. I don't think it's the right thing. That's the first thing we need to do. Second thing, once you've prayed, if it's still an issue, don't boss it. That's when you realise that you've prayed, my God, that's why it is an issue, that's going to tell everyone. What he says then is to go and tell the person directly why. It gives you an opportunity to listen. We're told in James 1, verse 19, be quick to listen. Slow to anger and slow to speak. When Jesus deals with sin, what's the first thing he does? Whether it's the religious leaders and disciples, he listens. He always listens. He's searching the hearts. And he does this with the Delphos, with community, with a relationship with those people. It's so good. We told them it's better a rebuke from a friend than a foe. Why? Because a foe, an enemy, won't tell you the truth. We talk about that individualistic society, but we said that a friend at first would not pick at you and say, it's alright, just do what you want, you're okay. Don't worry about it, it'll be fine. Okay, if it's all sure it's that's fine. No, a friend will tell you the truth. This is where we need to prepare our hearts. We need to help each other see the error of our ways and cut sin off at the root before it has a chance to grow, to take hold, bitterness comes in. Jesus rebuked his disciples. Why? Because he loved them. And this is the attitude we need to have. We need to be looking. Thinking all the time, what is Jesus doing? Why is he doing it? John Piper says to pursue God and his purposes for us is to avoid sin. Therefore, if we're to live in God's purposes, we need to rebuke and flee from all purposes of sin. Now, when somebody comes and tells you you're doing something like that's not easy, why? Cranny. Nobody likes to be told you're doing something like that. I hate it. When Hans says to me, I've just that lady on the picture of and she's like, that's not right there. And she's right, and then she's right. It's just that pride to get, oh, so I need just doing that. And actually, she's right, it's just because they want to get one It's that pride in normal terms. Somebody comes and tells us, they are not in the church, I'm not missing the Lord of the church, but somebody's, I've got the zeal of God, going out there thinking, oh, I want my mission to save everybody. Jesus did that, wasn't he? Okay. And we feel sometimes that, yes, um, 
But it's also important that if you're a rebuke, if you're the person telling somebody wrong, then you don't just become somebody who criticizes. Because if you just criticize all the time, you damage it. On the other side, if you're just encouraging all the time, people are going to fall on deaf ears. I say the best is really good worship today. And every time you say really, really, really good, really good, really good. Eventually, you should go, nah, yeah, okay, I'm just that a hundred times. So we need to find that balance between encouraging and rebuking as well. It's a fine balance. It is a fine balance. If we are united with encouragement and rebuking, we have a much better relationship with people. Because actually, you know where you stand. I love it when people tell me to do something wrong. At the time, I don't. But I know where I stand with them. I know that they care enough for me to come and tell me to do something wrong. And that's vital. But we need that relationship in the church. Now, when we get to review, we need to ask ourselves do we want to pursue God and build his kingdom? Do we want to pursue God and build his kingdom? If yes, we need to pray about it and think, if that person's brought something to me, is it genuine? Is it true? But if you pray, God will show you. He will show you. He's done it many a time with me. Many a time with me. Now, when you're the one wondering, you to do a person to go to your system and tell them. Don't just go home and say, you're doing this wrong and walk off. You need to show them. Jesus points out that. You need to show them why they're wrong. Refer to scripture. Pray with them, listen to them. Because actually, sometimes, I've done this before, but it's so cringe. You don't stop and say, I don't think you should have done that. You don't think you should have said that. And if I would listen, I would just chat to them first. Actually, I had a really bad day. Something really bad has happened, and actually, I need to give them a bit of grace. That's really, really important. Okay? I always respect somebody in a relationship, a dad, a community. Somebody has a relationship with me, and that's key. Don't go to something in the church you don't know. If you're not sure, if you think there's something going on, if you think they're making a choice, if you just come out of the blue and present the group, say, go and tell somebody who's going, or go and tell somebody else. You can go out and work and have a relationship with the The third thing is, we then, it tells us, if I just flip back, it says, if they will not listen, so we've had a word with them, we've brought the problem out, we've prayed with them, we've spoken with them, we've referred to scripture. If they don't listen, Take one or two others along so that every matter can be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Number three says discuss with others. We need to pray, and if they're still not choosing to listen, we need to take somebody else, trust the community, community group leader, or somebody who's trusted in the church. Who will, and it's really key here, Jesus is getting the point that that person isn't coming to get the team on the verse. He's not coming to have a go, he's not a tag team, you know, I'm going to dig what you're doing is that person is coming, or those people are coming to listen to your thoughts and notice them. Because actually, sometimes we've got the zeal and the light. We think we can go and we can come on, as I said, I want my mission to save everything. But sometimes we're wrong. And Jesus is saying that to take somebody else because actually, they can listen to both sides of the story. They can listen to why you've done it and actually why you're bringing that to the forward and analyse and help people to come and discuss and find a resolution. Again, we're not telling everybody. We're not going around telling everybody. It's in that close-knit quarter where it's protected. We're protected and loving one another and being the same. And finally, we're told, if that doesn't work, if you've spoken to them, if you've brought an issue to somebody, if you've prayed with them, if you've spoken with scripture with them, if they didn't listen, you've then taken somebody with you, you've taken 
somebody or a couple of people longer to talk and reason with that person. Again, why do we want to turn around to Christ? At heart, Jesus, we always want to continue building his kingdom. Finally, we tell it to the church. Now, this doesn't mean, because I've heard some people say this before, that you're going to tell everybody in the church. Okay, I've read a couple of commentaries and things, and it seems to be a united decision on this that we tell people who are respected, trusted leaders who can go and speak to that person to find a warning. Okay? Help them to see narrow their ways. If you've spoken to them, it's a sin. So if somebody's caused a sin, you've spoken to them, not listened, prayed with them, you've shown them scripture, you've taken somebody out. The final thing we need to do is tell them, tell somebody who's respected to go and speak to them. Now we see from this that Jesus here has given us a key blueprint, a plan for his workers to be built his kingdom. When we see a sin that would damage the community, we need to identify it and address it before it destroys the workers. We need to do this to set the love and humility, it's not just a license to go and shoot everybody down. And we also need to think, is this going to elevate men? If you're doing something to look down on somebody, that's not the right intention. It's with a godly heart that we do this. It's with a godly spirit that we're doing this with the intention of keeping the feeling about it, bringing them back to Christ. It's vital that this is done with grace. Because if we can't show grace to all the community group, our other community members, if we can't show grace to the adults amongst us, our community coming in United purpose, how can we possibly show grace to the people out there? We can't. So we need to be gracious with one another. Remember, actually, we've all made mistakes. We've all done it. Just think about how you do We've all been given different jobs in God's kingdom. Okay? Some of us are blessed with teaching. Some of us are blessed with worshiping. Some of us are blessed with the gift of servitude. Okay? Where you go and just serve to your coffee. What gift that is? A heart to serve. Okay? And actually, rebuking, pointing out sin, identifying sin before it destroys the church isn't just for the leaders. We're looking out for each other. We need to look out for one another. The person to your right, look for the person on your left. Look for the person on your right. We're looking out for one another because we're in a battle. We have an enemy. We have somebody who wants us to fall away. We have somebody who doesn't want the church to happen. We need to be working as a team, working as a group. And that means that whether it's somebody who's serving the team, whether it's somebody in worship, whether it's somebody who just comes and listens and is a gift of welcoming. You need to be prepared to have a rebuke sometimes of anybody. Okay, and take it with seriousness. Take it with the intent that they're trying to look out for you. Don't become obsessed with griping and moaning. I don't think the church is going to do that. Oh man, I want to be, I can't believe that. So I'm just going to moan and whinge to everybody about how bad the church is. All that does is cause issues and tensions. Don't be one of those people. Think about the stage Jesus has given us. We don't want to be like the builders in the story who became so concerned with all the issues that we stagnate and we don't finish the building. We don't finish the building in this kingdom. In God's community, there's grace. There's rebukes where appropriate. We're told we're doing something wrong where appropriate. There's also grace. If you don't know God, I would say to you, call on his own. He wants you to be part of the adults. He wants you to be part of this community. You've been made for a specific purpose. And God's calling you. We told that Jesus stands at the door and knocks. He's calling you to go home. 
And as a final point, I would just say to us as a church, we need to be aware as an ethnic. We need to be aware that as we build, somebody is going to be looking to destroy. We need to be aware where issues and tensions arise, God has given us a blueprint how to deal with this. And finally, we need to go with the right heart. We need to have the heart of Jesus that is to bring somebody back. It's not to destroy, it's to build. We are building God's kingdom.